Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. I'm so thankful, very thankful for all the things that we have. You know, uh, we need to be a grateful people. We live in the greatest nation upon the face of the earth. And I'm so glad that I was born here in the United States of America. Praise the Lord. This is uh, from the For What It's Worth department. Sunday services are to honor God, to uh, praise and worship the King of Kings. Amen. And the word says, come, let us exalt his name together and forever. And just plain fellowship is an important thing on Sunday mornings. Um, usually here on Sunday mornings, here's what they need to do. They need to be challenging. They need to be encouraging. They need to be convicting. They need to, be, uh, they need to have instruction. And sometimes maybe even correction. And uh, I hope this series is all of those things uh, this morning, uh, especially as we talk about the Middle East. At 3.43 this morning, I was texting with my son, Brock, and um, about a particular situation going on, and then I said to him, what are you doing up this time of morning? And his response was, coffee needs a drinking, and thoughts need a thinking. Books need read, and prayers need said. It's hard to do all that when you're still in bed. Very true, amen? And what I just said about conviction and challenging and encouraging, uh, his word in a little rhyme did all those things to me. It brought me under conviction, and uh, it really kind of spurred me on and encouraged me as well, so... That's what the Word of God does. It does all those things. And hopefully we're going to have some of that this morning as well. I look around here this morning and I see uh, some, some uh, friends from way back. And uh, good, good to see Matthew and Nicole and Heather and your husband, I, which I have not met yet. Good to see you here. Uh, and Heather and uh, Matthew are uh, Debbie's kids. So good to see you, you here. And over on this side, we have Troy and Marsha White, who we go way, way back with them. And uh, the stories are incredible with them. They're doing, uh, they've been all over the, the nation. They were stationed in, uh, was, uh, they were in the state of Washington for a while. And Troy worked on the tundra as a welder up in uh, Alaska for several years. And they are just strong believers, always receive so much from them. They are serving now in Kentucky with uh, Samaritan's Purse. Uh, that's what you do after you retire, things like that. So praise the Lord for what you guys are doing. And you guys have just always been such a blessing to us in our life. Um, all the formalities are maybe out of the way. The Middle East conflict. Been on this for uh, two weeks already. This is the third week. And it's today's really going to be... The Middle East Conflict 101. It is 101. It's very basic. It's, it's, it's not getting into too much of the politics of it all. It's not really getting too much into 
even a lot of the depth that's even behind the cause of all this and, and some wrongdoings that are going on and some uh, there's, there's stuff in the background that we could really make a good Sunday school class on about all the details that are, that are taking place in the Middle East. Last week, I, I give a, a strong admonishment about staying out of fear and not allowing what's going on in the world to uh, affect you in a negative way. We need to be people who are showing a world how to go through life whenever there's conflict, whenever things aren't going right. And you may not be dealing with anything with the Middle East conflict, but there's a lot of people here, including ourselves, who are in the middle of a conflict. And you need to know how to handle those things in a Christ-like manner and be Christian above all things in, in that, handling things according to the Word of God and showing a lost and dying world how that you can navigate and live a victorious life even whenever there are bad things going on. Um, you have the map there of the Middle East. Um, I don't know why I have Muhammad on that slide, but we'll talk about him here later. Um, there are some things just to happen just this week. We had a ceasefire this week, uh, and much of that was negotiated by the United States. And really, a ceasefire, you, you would think that would be a good thing, but technically it's not a good thing. And sometimes the United States gets in, in the middle of some of these Middle East things, and it's not always the best outcome. Uh, a ceasefire does one thing. It allowed Hamas to regroup and reload. And uh, so, therefore, really, the uh, uh, ceasefire was not a, a good thing uh, because of that. Uh, the, the Biden administration says that they're in support of, of Israel, but at the same time, they're giving billions, and I say that with a B, they're giving billions of dollars to Iran. And it's not just one party. In 2005, George W. Bush uh, made a, an agreement with Israel and uh, had them to agree with uh, NATO that there would be uh, peace for land. And that's why they gave up the, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. And that's why we have the problems we have today because of that negotiation of peace for land. Peace for land with, uh, with terrorists will never work. And so that's why we have some of the situations going on that we have. And now we have politicians especially who are saying that the Middle East conflict is not a religious war. Let me be perfectly clear. It is nothing but a religious war. It started way back with Abraham and his two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, and it is a political, uh, the political aspect of that is a religious war. So, in all of that, Abraham, Father Abraham, had Isaac and he had Ishmael, He's the father of both of those, but from different women. Uh, family dysfunction. Family dysfunction runs rampant in Scripture. Have you ever noticed that? Family dysfunction is rampant. King David, he was a man after God's own heart, but he sinned greatly. He uh, had a totally innocent and honorable man, Uriah, murdered so that he could hide the fact that he had gotten his wife, Bathsheba, pregnant. That son winds up dying. Another son was trying to kill him and take over his throne, take over the kingdom. 
and yet another son, Solomon, he had 700 women in his harem. I think it's striking that Scripture says that Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. But I think uh, with 700 concubines, it also makes him the most foolish. <laughs> I was going to use the word stupid, but you're not supposed to use that word. Dysfunction. Dysfunction. Jesus is coming back for a bride. And the word says that she's going to be spotless without wrinkle. But right now, she's pretty dysfunctional. So that means there's going to have to be a miraculous transformation of who we are as the body of Christ. And I'm looking forward to being a part of that. It's time for us to rise up and show the world what the church really is, who she is, what she stands for, and do it in purity, do it in power, do it in love. And we can be a convincing force upon the face of the earth. Amen? Amen. Uh, I jumped over this. I was going to explain. Uh, Jackie and I were in Israel in 2011 uh, because of the blessings from Harmony Christian Church. And while we were there, I picked up two hats. And this is the way things operate in uh, Jerusalem, in Israel. You can uh, buy an I Love Jerusalem hat from uh, Muslims or uh, by the Jewish people, Israelites. You can only buy this one from Israelites, from the Jews. The uh, Muslims will not sell this hat. They love Jerusalem, but they hate Israel. I just thought that's an interesting point. You cannot buy this hat from a Muslim. And it's amazing how you can hate a country but love a city within. And it's just another one of their false claims of who they are. Uh, I bought this in Israel as well. This is an original shofar that was uh, purchased in Israel and brought back with us. And Paul's going to come and uh, show us how this thing works. And um, the shofar was blown uh, for several different occasions mainly at the beginning and at the end of the festivals. It was also blown at the beginning of a war and at the end of the victorious, uh, victory of a war. And there were some other occasions, celebrations and that sort of thing that the shofar was uh, blown for. But Paul, show us how that thing works. All right. Praise the Lord. Hey, that's not easy to do. Anybody else want to try it? It's not, it's not easy. Uh, yeah, good job. All right. Well, I believe that uh, there is going to be an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. It's going to come, and we're going to have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You, you know the whole thing that's going on over in the Middle East is really nothing more it seems like it has to be way more complicated than this. It seems like it has to be extremely complicated because it's so deep and it's so gone on for so many years. But it's really very, very basic, very simple. The whole Middle East thing is to take people's eyes off of Jesus Christ, to cause people to not even recognize or, or to be able to focus upon Jesus Christ. It's all smoke and mirrors to keep people 
from Christ. And once we begin to realize, can, can you imagine what is going to take place whenever revelation begins to come to the Jewish people? Whenever revelation begins to come to, to those who are in Islam, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago about the dreams uh, that are coming to Muslims and to Jews alike. Jesus is appearing to them in their dreams. And many, I'm talking about not, not just a small amount of people, a large amount of Muslims and a large amount of Jews are turning to Jesus Christ. And many of the Muslims are trying to uh, disqualify that by saying, no, that's not, that's not Jesus, it's, it's Muhammad that's showing up to them. But it's unmistakable whenever the man who's appearing to them has nails in his hands and his feet. It could be nobody else but Jesus Christ. And Jesus is going to get through, the Holy Spirit is going to get through to people however he has to. So I think it's, it's really, it's time for the church to come out of her slumber, to shake off passivity and uh, lethargicness. I don't know if lethargicness is a word, but uh, lethargy. It's time for us to wake up and to fall deeply in love with our bridegroom. Amen? Yes, we can no longer operate in, in uh, religion without relationship. Christianity without Christ. We can no longer live without knowing deeply the life giver. And uh, those days are coming. Pastor Josh read this, uh, said this four weeks ago now. He said this, listen to these words, it's very good. At the very center of our, of our faith is Jesus. He is the predominant subject. He is our doctrine, our theology, the prevailing witness of our salvation, the chief ambition of our lives. Jesus is a solid rock on which our lives are built, not the expectation of heaven, not the fear of hell, not the church or even the Bible alone. Without Jesus, the scriptures are incomplete and the Father remains hidden in mystery. That is so good. To be Christian is to place Jesus far and above everything above everything bad and equally above everything good. Jesus has to be at the forefront. Amen. And I'm just praying that the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to come down and consume us with His presence. Those days are coming. Those days are coming. And I'm saying, Jesus, let it be us and let, us, let it be now. Hallelujah. There's David and Solomon, and then there's Abraham, who were so dysfunctional. But God used them anyway. And I think that gives us great hope. Isaac was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah that he would be the father of many nations. Ishmael was the result of Abraham taking things into his own hands. It wasn't looking like God was going to come through with this promise because Isaac had not been born yet. And so him and Sarah kind of take things on themselves. Anybody ever done that? Has you ever taken on things yourself whenever it didn't look like God was going to come through? I've been there and done that. And it usually doesn't have a good outcome. And Abraham and Sarah's situation didn't come out well either. Did, did you notice though? It was Sarah's idea. It was Sarah's idea. She said, Abraham, go with my maidservant, Hagar, and have a child. 
God's not going to come through for us, so let's come up with our own plan. And Abraham should have known that whenever he was going to go into a woman where her first name starts out with Hag, wasn't going to come out too good. <laughs> Hagar was probably 25 years old. Uh, Sarah was approaching 90. And do you notice that whenever Sarah suggested this, Abraham didn't say, Sarah, I can't believe you are coming up with such an idea. No. He said, well, if you insist... I guess I'll take one for the team. And so he goes in and he has, winds up, she has a baby, Ishmael. Isaac is where the clan comes from. The lineage comes down through the Jewish people. Eventually coming to Jesus Christ. Ishmael leads down to Muhammad who invents a different God that they call uh, Allah. And that is where the Muslims come from. Islam. It all comes. So the two lineages split off. One comes from what was, uh, was God's plan, Isaac. The other one was that led to Jesus. The other one was Abraham's plan that led to Ishmael, which become the Muslims. And it's been nothing but turmoil ever since. I think you and I, we, we have that challenge today. is to make sure that we're staying in the will of God, that we're doing what He's wanting us to do, and we don't get ahead of Him, we don't get behind Him. We are walking in the Spirit. We're not walking in the flesh. We don't come up with our own, own preconceived way that God's going to have to do things. We are just following after Him, and even when it doesn't make sense, we stick with what He is doing and saying and leading, and we will have a good outcome. Otherwise, we wind up in big trouble. And once again, I've been there and I've done that. Some situations seem impossible. Uh, Mark 10, 27 says, Jesus said this, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God's intent was that Abraham become the father of many nations through Isaac. But actually, he becomes the father of many nations through Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac, uh, I'm going to run through this again. Isaac's lineage becomes the Jews from which Jesus comes from, leading to Christianity. Ishmael's lineage leads to Muhammad, who founded Islam, the Muslims, which now includes Hamas, which Hamas has control of uh, the West Bank and the uh, Gaza Strip. Isaac's God, who created man and all things, came and died for us that we might live forever with him. Isn't that good? Ishmael's God, a small g, they call Allah, who was created by man, he was created by Muhammad, has created nothing but havoc, and he commands that his followers must die for him. I think that's interesting. In fact, most all other religions expect you to die for, their, for that God. But because of grace and because of mercy, 
our God came and died for us. Hallelujah. Romans 6.11, Paul states that we are to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. Praise the Lord. The, uh, the covenant that God made with Abram is uh, listed in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Every covenant was sealed by blood, and this one uh, was done in Genesis chapter 15. And there's two kinds of covenants, a conditional or bilateral covenant, where both parties have conditions to fulfill, or otherwise the covenant is broken. That's what the Mosaic covenant that was actually added on to the Abrahamic covenant, it was a conditional covenant. If you will serve me, then you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. If you don't, then these diseases and these things will come upon you. Remember, remember that. That's the Mosaic Covenant. That was a conditional covenant. The other kind of covenant is an unconditional or unilateral covenant where all the responsibility is to be, be fulfilled by one party for the entire benefit of the other party. That's what we are under. We are under the Abrahamic Covenant. We are totally indebted to God because he took on that covenant all by himself. In Genesis chapter 15, what would take place in a covenant of the Old Testament, the two parties that were going to be in this covenant, there were specific animals that they were to sacrifice, and you would line up, they would uh, cut the animals in half, they would line up one in a row here, they would line up the other half of the animal here, and the two people of the covenant would walk through the animals. They would reach over. They would touch their hands into the blood. They would put their hands together. Let's do it like this, Josh. This is how this, is how this would take place. Stand up. They'd put their hands together with the blood, and then they would go like this and shake. Do you know that's where the handshake came from? It was from covenant. And that's what they would do in a bilateral covenant where there was two. But what happens in Genesis chapter 15 is that Abraham sacrifices those animals. He lines them both up. And then a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And it says that God himself and God alone walked through the animals. It's a covenant that only he can keep. You and I can't keep it, but, but then we go to Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 8, and it says this, But now he, being Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So you and I, we are in this unilateral covenant. It was sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's kept by the Father under our New Testament covenant, and it's all called grace. Aren't you thankful for grace? It's all kept because of God the Father being the sole proprietor of that covenant. He's the one who is totally responsible for it. And he will cause it to come to pass. And he has given us great and precious promises. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Sometimes we, we don't walk in the goodness of God because we don't understand the promises of God. You have to know the promises of God. You have to know Scripture. You have to hide it in your heart, and you have to keep it because the devil's going to do everything he can to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
But when you know the promises of God, you can stand on that covenant that God is keeping. And you know that it will come to pass. Because He is faithful and just. He cannot lie. And He will bring it to pass. But you have to know it. You have to stand on it. You have to understand it and stand in faith for it. Because it is a battle. The devil wants to hide those things from you. He wants to blind you and to keep you from the promises. Think about this. All the smoke and mirrors that's going over there in the Middle East. Is there any other people group that you can think of that is ever talked about that needs to be eliminated from the face of the earth? The only ones are the Jews. They're the only people who have been tried, they've tried to annihilate them from the face of the earth. Not only the, the people, but the entire nation. They want to destroy Israel. Why is that? It's because of Jesus Christ. He comes from the lineage of the Jews. The American Holocaust Museum, I watched a 13-minute and 43-second video last evening on the American Holocaust Museum. And it states in there that the cause of anti-Semitism was Christianity. That we as Christians many, many years ago began to blame the Jew for the death of Jesus Christ. And we have to admit, there has been some of that. Now whether that's the whole reason, I don't know. I know Hitler had a whole different agenda of wanting to annihilate the Jew. But Hamas wants to annihilate the Jew. They want to annihilate Israel. And it's all for one thing. Because of their God. And we just need to stay strong. We need to stay in support of Israel. Even though, as we said last week, yeah, there's some wrongdoings in Israel. There's some wrongdoings in the United States, but I'm still standing up for it. But I do know that this attack upon the Jews and upon uh, Israel, it's a, a demonic attack. Uh, it's the great divide of the true and living God and uh, that of Allah, which Muhammad uh, founded Islam. Uh, sometimes the elimination of Jesus is somewhat subtle. And I want to talk about three or four things that are, are a subtle elimination of Jesus Christ. So some of them are, are really intentional. Some of them are unintentional. Some of them are vicious. Some of them are innocent. But we need to make sure that Jesus is not eliminated from anything. Muhammad was born in 570 A.D. Give me that slide there. Five, he was born in 570 A.D. But the Muslims and non-Christians... They no longer use A.D. They use C.E., which means uh, common era is what C.E. means. Why is that? Because they don't want to acknowledge that time is based on Jesus Christ. It's elimination of Jesus. The words B.C., uh, originated from, uh, or A.D., I'm sorry, but uh, A.D. stands for Anno Domini. It's Latin for in the year of the Lord, while B.C. stands before, uh, for before Christ. 
So it most certainly is time being uh, equated to, connected to Jesus Christ. But Christian, uh, non-Christians, and especially Muslims, do not want to use that. So there, there's an elimination of Jesus. We have the Easter Bunny. It, it's probably somewhat innocent, but it's an elimination of Jesus Christ. Santa Claus, the same thing. I had a, a message a few months ago about going to heaven. If you, uh, you probably don't remember it, I had to look up my notes myself. But you know, Scripture never mentions about you and I going to heaven. Scripture, it talks about heaven, but it never mentions that God the Father, Jesus the Son, or even angels are going to come and take us to heaven. What it does say is that He's going to take, that we will go to the Father, that we will go to the Son. Paul said, it's better for me to depart and be with Christ. But it's better for you that I stay and remain. See, he didn't say it's better for me to, to, to depart and go to heaven. Why do we have that mindset? It's a subtle elimination of Jesus Christ. You know you can talk about heaven all day and never talk about Jesus. And I'm trying to eliminate that kind of thinking in my life. Uh, even at Thanksgiving, we have to be careful. I, I think it's, it's great to be thankful for, but we also have to remember that we have to be thankful too. Amen? There are a lot of people who are thankful for things. But you can't just be thankful for and your, your thankfulness just goes out there somewhere. It has to be pointed to someone or you have to be thankful for a person. You have to be thankful for a situation, but it has to be pointed to someone who your thankfulness goes to. Psalm 100 and verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Psalm 107 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Isn't that good? We need to be thankful too. Don't eliminate Jesus out of your thankfulness. Praise the Lord. We're uh, coming up on the Christmas season here shortly. Uh, the, the star that appeared to the Magi. This is, going, this is in our uh, November-December life group uh, lesson. And I hope all of you are in a life group. If you're part of this fellowship, we want you in a life group. That is a, a way for you to fellowship at a deeper level than just what you can do on Sunday morning. It's a way for you to get connected at a, at a deeper level, more intimate way. So be involved in life group. But our lesson for November, December is concerning this. That the star that appeared, uh, it's just part of the lesson. Uh, the star that appeared to the Magi is sometimes referred to as the star of Jerusalem uh, or more commonly the star of Bethlehem. And it's obvious why those titles are given to it. But look at Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. His star. The star is all about Jesus. It's not about Bethlehem. It's not about Jerusalem. 
It's all about Jesus. It was his star. But we have this, it, it, it's not, I don't think it's a vicious intent to eliminate Jesus in that situation, but we do it. And we need to be mindful of those things and not allow Jesus to be eliminated. He needs to be at the forefront of everything. The Middle East conflict, it can all be boiled down to one thing. Not, not only one thing, but it can be boiled down to one person. And that is Jesus Christ. And you have a hard time wrapping your mind around it because it's gone on for so many years. And it goes in so many different directions. And it is so deep. And there's so much turmoil. There's so much murder. And it goes on and on and on. And all it is, it boils down to smoke and mirrors of hiding who Jesus Christ is. And I want us to be a people who recognize what's going on in our day. Do you understand the day in which you live? Scripture talks about. We are in a day in which Jesus Christ is being mocked. He's being distorted. He is being uh, misrepresented. And I believe that you and I as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to stand up and we know, as Paul said, I know whom I believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. You know who you're standing for. You know who you believe in. You know who has saved you. You know who sacrificed for you. And you fall deeply in love with him. And you are passionate about him. And you are willing to speak out when necessary. And you live a life that is exemplary of a good and gracious God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I wanted to touch just one more time, uh, just real quickly, on this. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. There is a building being in, in there again in 2011. Jackie and I were in Jerusalem. We walked upon the mosaic floor of Solomon's temple. Magnificent. All is there is the floor because the building was destroyed in eighty. 70. But the floor is still there. And then off to the side is the, is the uh, mosque, the Muslim mosque. But just walking on that floor was just incredible. It's all mosaic tiles and just beautiful. There used to be the uh, Solomon's Temple was there. Today, if it was there, we'd call it a church. The church today Yes, we're having church today. We call it that. But the church today is Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. And the Bible talks about you and I being living stones. And what he is doing is, to me, it's just so brilliant. It's so magnificent. It's Jehovah sneaky. He, he just does some awesome things. He's taking Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. You and I are living stones, and he, we are being built up into that spiritual building that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And if you and I will just get bold, we'll get, we know whom we believe in, and we'll not be ashamed of the gospel, if we'll stand up, and in the midst of turmoil, we see God come through for us time and time again. And we 
can be in a storm and still be at rest. There is there's no reason for any of us to be in turmoil because of their, their turmoil. We need to know Jesus Christ and know him deeply and to love him wholeheartedly. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, I would ask that your blessing be upon this people, that we would rise up as the church of Jesus Christ. We are living stones representing you. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May you be glorified and high and lifted up. May you receive all the honor and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It may be totally different than what you're expecting from uh, the Middle East conflict, but I'll tell you, we've, we've got to, we have to come at that topic in this manner as believers in the Most High God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.